It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. The first round of the 2022 NHL draft was full of surprises, trades, some great picks, and some that left people scratching their head. We've got it all covered for you right here on this special edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, everyone. Gil Martin here, and welcome to this special edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. We are here to break down the NHL draft round one, full of a lot of unexpected turns and twists. I will be joined by uh, Brandon Pillar of Locked On Senators. He is our uh, prospect expert. He'll be breaking down all the picks made in this draft. want to thank everyone for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Right now, we go to Laura Saba of Locked On Canadiens to talk about the very first surprise in the draft, the first overall pick. Gil Martin of Locked On NHL here for our complete coverage of the NHL draft. We're here with Brandon Pillar of Locked On Senators. He is our prospects expert. And Laura Saba of Locked On Canadiens. And uh, Laura, a, a big surprise <laughs> With the first overall pick, uh, the Montreal Canadiens go against what everyone expected, not Shane Wright. Yuri uh, Slavkovsky, your thoughts on the pick? Well, I knew that the more str- I struggled to pronounce his name, the closer we were getting to drafting him. So now I'm going to have to say this name for the next 15, 20 years. Um Honestly, it is a shock because all of the signs pointed to the Montreal Canadiens drafting Shane Wright. There was a lot of talk, and I don't know if that was a smokescreen because there was a lot of talk with with Vinny and Martin Saint Louis speaking to the uh, to Shane Wright, and they talked a lot about Shane Wright. And I wonder if that was a smokescreen. And now we don't know what they're going to do for the rest of the night. I do know they have hopes to move up. Uh, we do know that the Senators' pick might be out there, or there there might be a few things out there. Uh, uh, that the Canadians are going to be, you know, looking at. This is really, really a stunner for me. Um, I know as well, there are a lot of teams that are kind of after the New Jersey pick and New Jersey doesn't necessarily need center. So right now, as we're talking, I'm not sure what's going on on the draft floor, but there's probably a lot of chatter, a lot of confusion. I think for me, the thing that is key here is I don't want this to be a mistake in five years, right? I know that in at this moment in time, all three players that were slated to go top three were phenomenal players with a fantastic amount of, of, of um, you know, draft capital at the moment. Like, uh, I, I would say their stock right now is the highest it's ever going to be, right? And I think that 
Slavkovsky in particular. See, it's happening already. I'm going to be struggling with this for the duration of his time in Montreal. Um, he did a lot to uh, raise his own stock in, um, in, in, in the draft. And I think he worked really hard for that. My question has always been, five years from now, is this going to be the best choice for Montreal? And that's what I'm not convinced of. You know, I thought all of those players right now, you know, any one of them would be great, would be uh, fantastic, immediate help even. Uh, pot potentially even Logan Cooley. I know a lot of people talked about how he's not ready yet. I thought they would all be great ideas for, you know, next year, two years from now. But five years from now, when you're trying to contend, your number one center currently is Nick Suzuki. And there's not a whole lot behind them that I can see in the future, right? Like when you're talking about their window opening, that's what I'm a little bit worried about. Dynamic winger, exciting person. I'm, I'm excited about that aspect of it. He's going to be really fun to watch in Montreal. He's got a great personality. Um, and the new organization has kind of made it clear that they want these players' personalities to shine, which is very, very different from the past. And I think that's going to be fantastic. He's going to be a fan favorite. I'm excited for him, and I'm not. I'm not disappointed in that. You know, I think, I, and I and I kept saying on our podcast as well. I expect it to be Shane Wright. I'm not disappointed. I'm just concerned that Shane Wright turns out to be the better choice five, six, ten years from now. Brandon, what what does Slavkovsky bring to the table skill wise? Well, uh, certainly the Montreal Canadiens won't be disappointed with Slavkovsky, I think, because he's the best power forward in this draft. Like you mentioned, Laura, he popped off internationally. He was the MVP of the Olympics. Now, different style of Olympics, but still, anytime you're an MVP of a world best tournament at a young age, that's pretty impressive. And there's a lot to like. He can score goals. He plays a good physical game. He's got a pro size frame already. And he's the type of player that I think may be pro ready uh, earlier than a lot of other prospects in this draft. So they're getting a great player. Where I'm so shocked is if they didn't take Shane Wright, I thought for sure they would go with Logan Cooley because, uh, and Laura, you could probably speak to this more, but I really thought their number one need right now is finding another center to uh, play second line center or first, wherever you want to flip it with Nick Suzuki. And they had, um, you know, they've had issues drafting a center at the top of the draft. And now this seemed like, okay, you don't have to worry. There's no stress here. You can take this one of the safest picks out there, an exceptional status guy in Shane Wright, who plays a very good two-way center. He's not just a centerman that makes highlight real plays and cheats on offense. He's someone that would really be a good 200-foot center for probably a long time. And there's a lot to like about Shane Wright. So I'm just shocked mostly that they decided to go for a winger rather than a center uh, at all. But definitely no reason to be disappointed with Slavkovsky. Excellent player. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, that's that's the thing is that he is talented and, and that's time. never been in question, right? He's talented. He's got the size and anybody with that size who can skate that well, right? Like that's that, that's usually a hard to find combination. And I think for me, my question is, are they just did they just see that he's the best player available and pick him? Or are they drafting for need? Because a lot of us just kind of look at this and go, they need centers. You need to build from the middle out, right? And that's the question that I have. Is it maybe that they thought that there was nobody that was going to be like Slavkovsky available in the next two or three drafts? I don't know. I, I like that was the question that I had is that 
you know, and, and for me, if you, you must really like the winger more because if two players are equal, I would always go for the center because the center is, is, you know, is charged with defensive play, creating, creating offense and all kinds of stuff. Whereas the winger's job is going to be just to create offense. That's the only concern I have is that are they building a well-rounded out team? Maybe what they saw was they just think this guy is literally more talented than Shane Wright. Very possible, and we'll see how this plays out, but a, a surprise at the top of the draft. <laughs> no question about that. Laura, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm Gil Martin of Locked On NHL, and uh, with me as we continue our coverage of the 2022 NHL draft, Brandon Pillar of Locked On Ottawa Senators and our uh, prospects expert, and joining us now, uh, Erica Ayala from the Seattle Kraken. And uh, Erica, with the fourth pick, a surprise, Shane Shane Wright available, and the Kraken take him. Your thoughts on this selection? Yes. Once I saw who the first pick was, uh, you know, I was a huge fan of Slavkovsky. Talked about him on the Locked on Kraken show. Was pretty confident he was not falling to four. Um, but then you started seeing other teams kind of take – I think really looking at position and I think that put the Seattle Kraken at four in a good position because we need everything. So <laughs> it has been pretty clear that Ron Francis, our general manager has wanted to take the best player available and getting another centerman, another young centerman. We took Matty Beneers obviously with the number two pick last year, and he already has 10 games in the NHL for us. So I think that this makes a lot of sense, although it definitely was a little bit surprising. Uh, no question about that. And and yet here you are picking fourth and you got a player who for most of the offseason, everyone thought was going to be the first overall pick. Indeed. And, uh, you know, I, I know there were some articles saying why Shane Wright should be number one. Slavkovsky was really talking his, you know, Muhammad Ali mess. Um, and I think that's what you want. You know, I know some people were saying that's a demerit. I think it's that humble hockey mentality. I think, though, we're at a stage where some of these younger players are going to assert themselves and who they feel they are on the ice and be prepared to back that up. So I kind of liked the back and forth, but I, I heard Shane Wright on the live uh, draft coverage from ESPN with Emily Kaplan. I think he said all of the right things. He has, he seems to have knowledge of what the Seattle Kraken are looking to do. And um, this is a, a player that has performed well at the international level. I love to see that. Um, also someone who has taken on leadership. He has entered into elite hockey at a young age and petitioned even to do, to do that. So I think this is, is a hockey player and someone that, at a young age, we can get – I like that he has good size. Uh, I think the only other thing I would have liked to see personally is to see the Seattle Kraken take a defenseman. But that being said, best available is Shane Wright at four. I think absolutely Ronnie Francis did the right thing. And I like that he got up there, said the pick, and then it's like, all right, let's go to our other 11 picks. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, uh, Shane Wright, obviously highly regarded by scouts. Uh, first of all, do you think he'll have a little chip on his shoulder after falling to four? I absolutely think he'll have a chip on his shoulder. This is a guy that was granted exceptional status to the OHL. That is quite an honor and not something to be taken lightly. He was the captain of his team in Kingston. He's a guy that for years, ever since he was 14, 15 years old, people are saying this is going to be the number one pick in 2022. And he's someone that 
really knows how to carry himself off ice as well. So for him to go to a young organization like the Seattle Kraken, and they can really be confident that he's going to be a big building block for them going forward is such a great thing. Like this is a slam dunk for the Seattle Kraken, as far as I'm concerned, to start an expansion team with Matty Beneers and Shane Wright as your two centermen. Those guys could be your number one and two centermen for the next decade, as far as I'm concerned. And that's an incredible way to build a team. And Ron Francis is no stranger to doing that. Shane Wright, it like he's a two-way centerman that can put up massive points. Like he put up 94 points uh, in the OHL this year. A lot of people compare his game to Mika Zibanejad. And if you see what Mika Zibanejad has been doing lately... That's got to get Kraken fans very excited. So, uh, Erica, I, I'm kind of with you. I pictured them selecting uh, one of the right-hand shot defensemen. But when Shane Wright falls to them, Ron Francis not wasting any time, getting up there, making the pick, and heading right back down because that is the right pick. And other exp- – like Vegas has got to be uh, sitting there being like, wow, they already have two great young centermen, and uh, that's not an easy feat to do. So, so the Seattle Kraken made their team a lot better tonight, in my opinion. Always good to build down the middle. That's yep. the old cliche. What makes Shane Wright so special? I would say just the fact that he's been doing this for a long time. Like he's no stranger to having all the pressure on him. He's no stranger to taking on a leadership role. He's no stranger to saying, okay, you know what? I'm going to be a major factor defensively. I don't need to be pumping out highlight reel goals left, right, and center to get scouts' attention. They already know what I can do offensively. I'm going to really work on being a better two-way centerman. And that's what he's done. Like, I think maybe one more year in in the OHL, just because they lost that year due to COVID, uh, you might want to get a little more development out of him, and there's no rush for the Kraken to bring him in. But once he comes in, I think he's going to be a solid guy that transitions seamlessly into the pro levels at center position. What's up, guys? Trey Matthews of Locked on Devils here, and let me tell you about Discover Debit Cash Back. Wings for the game? Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey? Boom, cash back. Even a last-minute ice run could score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's a guaranteed win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one is a real game-changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC. Gil Martin of Locked On NHL here with Brandon Piller of Locked On Senators, our prospects expert, and Jack Bushman of Locked On Blackhawks. Kevin Korchinski, the pick for the Blackhawks, coming off the Alex Dabrinkat trade. Jack, first, let's talk about this pick. What did you think of Korchinski? Yeah, I mean, at the start of the day, I didn't think number seven was ideally where the Blackhawks were going to be picking. I was hoping if if they're trading Alex Dabrinkit, it was going to be a little bit higher than that. So uh, Korchinski wasn't someone who personally was on my radar much, but I know he was on the Chicago Blackhawks radar. Uh, he was someone, Kyle Davidson actually said, you know, he was their guy when they made this pick. When they got number seven, they were really hoping to take Kevin Korchinski. And 
he's a big, very mobile left-handed defenseman, got some good offense to his game, had a really big breakout season with the Seattle Thunderbirds. And I was reading kind of a really cool article from Scott Wheeler of The Athletic where I was talking about after COVID, Korchinski kind of just had this growth spurt and came back looking like a different guy and kind of filled into his body and um, rounded that out by having just a massive year with Seattle. So I really like a lot about his game. Uh, I think, you know, fast paced, puck moving, big defenseman is, you know, the bread and butter in today's NHL. So uh, I like the pick a lot. It's, you know, a little tough to swallow when Alex Dabrinkit's two-time 40 goal score is still in your in the back of your minds. But uh, time's going to tell. But I, I do really like this pick of Kevin Korchinski at number seven. Brandon, what does Korchinski add to the Blackhawks roster? Gil, I like to call Kevin Korchinski an offenseman because uh, he <laughs> does one thing really well, and that's put up points. Like like Jack mentioned, uh, in his rookie season, I mean 65 points in 67 games in Seattle. And he does a really good job starting the playoff uh, with the puck behind his net. He lets guys chase them, and then he brings the puck up ice, and he finds his teammates. He's very good in transition. He's very good on the power play. The issue with Korchinski, I find, is sometimes he can be a liability defensively. He's just so focused on offense. And when you're playing in junior in the WHL, that's okay. But for the Chicago Blackhawks to now be trying to rebuild their uh, blue line pretty much around Seth Jones now, having someone that kind of cheats offensively and needs a lot of work defensively, I think that could be a bit of a project for them. But there's no denying his ability to put up points. And I think he's going to be someone that can play on a, on a second D pair as long as he has someone that's defensively responsible to kind of mop up for his mistakes and some of the pinches that may not be the best time decisions. But a player with time, I think, can be a, a good top four defenseman. How good can he be on the power play? I think he's going to be very good on the power play because then he doesn't have to worry about the defensive woes that he hasn't really picked up on his game. And he's someone that with the puck on his stick, he is patient. He's willing to wait. If there's not good options, he's not just going to throw the puck away. He's going to make sure that he's uh, finding someone in open space and he's going to be put up, putting up big points on that power play. And to have a guy like Seth Jones to learn from is pretty decent. You think he's a year away, two years away, or is he ready now? I certainly don't think he's ready now. I think it's going to be a little bit more time before he's able to come into the NHL. And the Blackhawks, they aren't in any rush, clearly, as they're trading Alex Dabrinkit away. And they're they're not worried about contending anytime soon. Personally, if, this, if uh, I was in your shoes, Jack, I think I would be a little bit disappointed trading away a 40-plus goal scorer for an offensive defenseman that has a lot of work to do. But... Chicago, like you mentioned, they were high on this guy, and this is someone they think they can work with. Yeah, I yeah. mean, Thanks. if you trade Alex Dabrinkit for what when we were hearing two first round picks earlier in the week and you only get one, it is going to be a little bit disappointing. And I think everyone in Chicago feels that way right now. It's it's a tough pill to swallow, and fans aren't happy to say the least. I mean, I kind of feel for Kevin Korchinski because the guy's always going to have his name tied to Alex yeah. Dabrinkit, and there might be some extra pressure on his shoulders. Um, but yeah, man, just got to hope all for the best. I think everyone feels like the Blackhawks didn't get everything they could, but now it's done and just got to hope that Kevin Korchinski can be a uh, next puck moving D-man of the future. Jack, how do you think they try to replace the productivity of Dubrinkit? Yeah, it's a million dollar question. <laughs> honestly, yeah. Honestly, I don't think the Blackhawks are too focused on that. Their goal next season is to be as bad as possible. They want to be picking in the top three. They're thinking 
three to five years down the road, no rush at all, which I think kind of goes hand in hand with picking Korchinski here, right? Like you can be a little bit patient with him, allow him to progress on the defensive side of things. There's no rush whatsoever. So I think it's pretty clear cut now, if you haven't gotten the message that Kyle Davidson is going to have a pretty patient approach with this whole thing. So I don't think they're too focused about replacing Debrinket on the ice next season as much as they are, you know, down the road and hoping that uh, trading away a 40 goal score doesn't come to bite them when that competitive window opens up once again. Well, Jack, I know we'll hear from you again <laughs> later tonight. A uh, busy night for the Blackhawks. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, absolutely. I'll see you guys rather soon here. Gil Martin of Locked On NHL. Happy to be with you here as we continue our coverage of the 2022 NHL draft with me, Brandon Pillar of Locked On Senators, our prospects expert. And welcome back, Ann Kimmel of Locked On Predators. And a, a, a nice little surprise as Joachim Kamel falls to the Predators. Your thoughts on the pick? I think this is really exciting for Nashville. I don't think it was even probably on the radar that he would be available at 17. So a huge and pleasant surprise for Nashville. Love this pick for him. Love what he kind of brings to the game size-wise. Maybe not as big as David Poyle likes to have them, but his offensive, uh, his shot, his offensive presence. This is a, a pick I think everybody in Nashville is delighted to have. Brandon, what does he bring to the table for the Preds? And you got to be ecstatic with him falling all the way to Nashville because he brings so much. Now, you mentioned that he's a smaller player, but he doesn't play like a small player. He is Mm -hmm. feisty out there. He's physical. And for a guy that doesn't let his size determine how he's going to play, it is really impressive. And he's someone that he's got one of the best shots in the entire draft, and he uses that shot. He averaged... 4.3 shots per game in Liga. He only had one game with zero shots. This is someone that focuses on getting the puck towards the net. And I think I I noticed when I look at Joachim Kamel's game, and you can uh, tell me if you agree, Anne, that he has a lot of shades of Victor Arvidsson to him. I think he's going to be a guy that you don't want to rely on him as your number one scoring winger, but he's going to provide great second line scoring. And he's someone that's going to have to, he's going to make opponents coaches think, okay, I've got my shutdown guys to shut down the national predators top line, but how am I going to shut down Kamel and uh, whether he plays with Duchesne or Johansson down the road, he's someone that is going to bring a little bit of physicality and feistiness with some goal scoring touch too. When do you think they'll bring him over from Europe to North America? Well, he's already playing a big role in uh, Finland in Liga with JYP, which is very impressive. He played 39 games and scored 15 goals. A big reason why he kind of slowed production, he finished with 23 points, is he did have a shoulder injury that slowed him down. But before that shoulder injury, he had 12 goals in 16 games. He was absolutely lighting it up. So give him time for that shoulder to recover. And I think you're going to see great things from Joachim Kamel and I honestly can't believe he fell this far to the Nashville Predators. Like they have had, they have had a lot of luck in the draft. And for guys that they didn't expect, you go all the way back to the Seth Jones draft. They were not expecting to get him there, and they're getting top tier players while still being a competitive team and and uh, having uh, opportunities to play in the playoffs. So David Poyle, he's got to be loving how this night turned out. I think everybody in Nashville is thrilled with this. Like you said, completely unexpected. I don't think anybody even really had a hope, a glimmer of hope that something like this could happen. 
But Nashville is going to love this pick. He's going to fit in really well with the style of hockey that they want to play here. Where do you think Poyle goes next as far as addressing the needs of the Predators? I would not be surprised at all to see him go defenseman. Now, we don't have any picks in the second round. Um, He may, if there's somebody they've got their eye on, they may try to work something out. But we're looking at a third round pick, and I really do expect that they're going to be looking for a solid defenseman. All right. And thank you so much for joining us. And for more, you can watch and listen to Ann on Locked on Predators. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The San Jose Sharks have been busy in the trade market, and now with the draft, J.D. Young of Locked On Sharks stops by to talk about that. I'm Gil Martin of Locked On NHL. With me, Brandon Pillar, to break down all the prospects from Locked On Senators. J.D., your thoughts on the trade and the pick? Uh, I love the trade from the Sharks' perspective. They had no second-round picks after trading their second-round pick um, for Aiden Hill last year. And then, you know, so I love that getting, you know, especially with the draft where you saw a lot of guys tumbling down, um, getting trying to get some value there. And so acquiring two draft picks in the second round, which, they, like I said, they didn't have, I thought that was great. The pick itself, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around it because I've been very much on the Brad Lambert train, and I, I thought Brad Lambert. There's a ton of red flags with Lambert, but the potential of what he could be, and especially at, at, at pick 27, there you could, it's a swing for the fences. But with having three picks and you know, literally 15 picks, you could take a swing there, and yeah, I, I. I I'm sure, you know, Philip, uh, I said he's going to be a fine player, but I'm still just trying to wrap my head around not picking Brad Lambert. Brandon, what does Philip add to this Sharks organization? Well, he's a centerman that has a lot of size. He's at six foot four already, 187 pounds, and he's playing in the SHL. So he's got some pro experience, and he's someone that uh, Tony Ferrari referenced. He uses his size more for reach and puck protection rather than being like a heavy hitter or anything like that. I feel like he's more of a defense first type player. He's going to be effective in a bottom six penalty killing role. JD, I can kind of understand your disappointment, though, because in in our rankings that we did for Locked On Senators, we have him ranked uh, 57th, so a little bit uh, lower down the list. And as a Sens fan, I'm aware of uh, reaching (laughs) in that that opportunity. But I just think, like you said, I would have liked to see the Sharks try to take a bigger swing on upside because – Although I think Bicet is a is a fine player, there's not one defining attribute that I'm looking at for him that really says, wow, you can bank on that, that he's going to be able to make it to the pros with these skills because he's a big guy that needs to work on his skating. And I think it's going to be a bit of a longer development path for him, which I guess for the Sharks is fine. They're not really in a rush, but I was expecting something a little bit bigger here with them trading back being like, okay, we've got Lambert in our sights and we can still try to hit a big swing here. Yeah. If they had traded back, acquired more picks and then drafted Brad Lambert, I would be talking about how the Sharks might've won the draft from tonight. But you know, like, like you said, where he's a big guy, but he doesn't really use his size very well. And it, it feels like he's not very physical, you know, and this does kind of, it does feel like a reach. And, yeah. you know, there was, I think, better talented players that they could have picked at 27. 
Um, you know, and I, I know the the development program, they they do a good the sharks development does a really good job with their their players and stuff, but at the same time, you you're trying to win a cup. And I don't know, it feels like the sharks have a lot of these middle six guys in their in their prospect pool, and you just added another middle six guy where you had a chance to potentially get a top six guy with a Brad Lambert. So what do you think the Sharks will be doing from here on in? You picked up the extra second round picks. Uh, what do you think they're looking for? Um, they're definitely, I, I I would be shocked if, if one of these two first uh, picks in the, the top of the second, if they don't come away with the defenseman. Um, Mike Greer said they wanted to try to add some more size to their defense uh, prospects. Uh, you know, they have Gannon LaRock as a, a fourth round pick from last year, who's a big kid who really kind of, you know, blew up this year for them. But you know, they have Ryan Merkley, who's played some NHL games, and then they have some other guys who, you know, like your Knizovs and um, guys who kind of smaller on the defensive end. It sounds like Mike Greer wants to add try to, try to add some size. So I, I expect them to add add to the blue line with one of these first two picks. And your thoughts about the hiring of Mike Greer? I'm for it. Uh, you know, he it's it's pretty exciting with him. You know, uh, one I'm a Dolphins fan, so it's kind of cool to have the Greer brothers just running my favorite teams. Um, but you know, he's very well liked in the hockey community. I know there's there is the question of the doesn't have the most experience in the world. You know, he has one year where he was working for the Rangers in the front office, but he seems like a, a straight shooter. You know, I really I came away from his uh, press conference really impressed with, you know the way he kind of handled himself and the way he answered the questions. And, um, you know, I, I think a very interesting thing he said was sometimes you get to take a step back to take two steps forwards. And the Sharks organization has been very much, we're not rebuilding, we're not rebuilding. And so maybe this is the year where they're like, Hey, if we take a couple steps back here, try to, you know, acquire some top tier talent and maybe try to figure out our cap situation, we could be looking to compete here in a couple of years. So. All right, J.D., thanks so much for joining us. And for more on the Sharks, follow J.D. and Locked on Sharks. Brad Lambert was one of those players that was projected to go much higher, but ends up going 30th to the Winnipeg Jets. Gil Martin with Brandon Piller here on Locked on NHL's coverage of the 2022 NHL draft. Brandon, obviously a bit of a gamble. Lambert, one of those players who could have gone anywhere from the top 10 to the second round, but at 30 probably a pretty good gamble by the Winnipeg Jets. Gil, I love this gamble for the Winnipeg Jets. And it seems year in and year out, Kevin Cheveldayoff is sitting there and amazing talented players just fall in his lap. And yet again, and for this being their second first round pick, why not take a home run swing like this? There's so much to like about Brad Lambert. A lot of prospect analysts had him high on their list. And it's just because... People were talking about him as a top 10 pick for a long time here, and he really didn't progress in this uh, year before his draft. In fact, he probably decreased his value just because he wasn't able to make things work over in Liga, and he had to switch teams from JYP to the Pelicans, and it didn't help him out at all. So I think a lot of scouts were soured by that, and they said, hey, we're going to, we know the offensive upside with Lambert, but we're going to try to get value elsewhere. And that's why Lambert fell almost out of the first round. And, and yet you talk about that upside. What is his skill set? What does he bring offensively to the Winnipeg Jets? 
He is an incredible skater. Uh, Elite Prospect ranked him as the best straight line skater and second best transition forward because when he gets into the middle of the ice, into the neutral zone, he doesn't have to do anything fancy. He will just blow right by you if you give him the opportunity. And he has uh, skating ability that's allowed him to play at the pro level over in Liga earlier than most other prospects. But a big reason why he wasn't able to succeed over there, and uh, we talked to Tony Ferrari on Locked On Senators about this, is he wasn't being given the best opportunities to succeed with JYP. He was constantly being moved up and down the lineup. He never got to build chemistry, and then they said, okay, this isn't working. Let's move you to a different team. And then he goes somewhere halfway through a season, can't get chemistry going, and it's a similar story. So I would really suggest for the Winnipeg Jets, get him over to North America. Don't have him messing around in Finland anymore. His rights are with the Saskatoon Blades, where his family has a lot of roots. Get him playing in the WHL. Get him playing on North American ice. Get him playing more under a system that you can have control over. And I think the development path for this guy, he could really be a top six forward. And I wouldn't be surprised at all because in small spurts, he shows flashes of brilliance. It's just about how can we get those to be more consistent and how can we get you to get chemistry with your line mates so you can start developing properly. How concerned are you about the fact that he didn't progress this year? I think a big part of Lambert is the expectations were so high and maybe then you start getting in your own head, you start gripping the stick a little bit tighter and you're not just allowing yourself to play with uh, the flow that a guy with the talent that Lambert has should be playing with. You're thinking maybe a little bit too much. So get him into a scenario where he already has a bunch of experience in pro hockey. So you know he has that experience. Let him really hone his skills in junior in the WHL, I would say. And I think Winnipeg is going to absolutely love this guy. Like, I, again, I cannot believe that the Winnipeg Jets get another talent like this, this late in the first round. Like, they're going to have some potential to really restock here when when and if guys like Shifley, Wheeler, and those guys end up moving out and the new uh, uh, kind of uh, wave of prospects move in. They've got the talent. Can they develop them properly? That's where we're going to see the real impact here. Well, be interesting to watch. Brandon, thank you so much. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.